Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, thank you. Blog Talk Radio. This is Nick Augustine here with attorney Mark Scroggins to present a special edition of our Texas Divorce and Family Law podcast to focus on school shootings. Today we are recording at the Collin County Courthouse with Judge Cynthia Wheelis. She's judge of the 417th District Court. We are also joined by Lieutenant Mitch Selman and Deputy Jessica Pond from the office of the Collin County Sheriff. So a few of the things that we're going to cover in our special episode today, uh, a general outline of what does create a school shooter? Are there common traits among school shooters? Is there influence? the media and technology and society we can wrap our heads around. Uh, also, we'll talk about preventing school shootings as well as we can within the law and what procedures the laws already have in place as well as what additional legal approaches might be helpful. We'll talk about programs that are in place to address alienated students, talk about school and juvenile programs to help students and what additional programs might be helpful. Of course, there's always the uh, subject of arming teachers and whether that's a viable solution to prevent school shootings. We'll discuss the authority of Texas independent school districts and the response to arming teachers in Texas ISDs. Um, I'm going to turn us out over to Mark Scroggins to start our uh, discussion today. Hey, just want to say thank you to all of y'all for <clears throat> being willing to come on the, the podcast and discuss this. And, and Judge, this is something that we talked about a little, and I'm, I think, a little bit of an anomaly when it, <laughs> when it comes to some of this, because... One, my daughter is now at the University of Texas, so I don't think as much I'm not as affected by what happens in, you know, our grade schools, junior highs and high schools now. But additionally, I think I might be one of the few that's actually born and raised in Dallas or in Texas that really has never, you know, I've never hunted. I I just never, never really shot guns much with the exception of, you know, shooting skeet a couple of times, I think, when I was in college. So it's really an interesting topic for me and scary I think to you know everybody out there so um, one of the things that I was questioning is what do you see coming through the uh, as the juvenile court judge what kind of things do you see that people should know about that we can help in identifying some of these folks really from a from an earlier earlier area well thank you Mark for inviting me to be on your podcast and I think it's important obviously important to all of us and our safety in the community um, to have lawyers such as yourself be interested and have enough character to bring this to the forefront for your clients and other community members. Um, just as a way of background, by way of background, we have had um, 28 school shooter or school threateners to shoot up the school um, since the Parkland High School shooting on February 14th. Wow. So we are we have been inundated with kids, but that is not to say that our law enforcement and our DA Greg Willis haven't been already very active in the prosecution of these types of offenses. In Texas, we have the luxury of having a specific education code provision for handling this type of threat, and it's 
37.125 of the Texas Education Code where if you threaten to shoot up a school um, and you have the ability or access to a weapon, um, then you could be prosecuted or will be prosecuted for a third degree felony. If you threaten to shoot up a school but you do not have access to weapons, then you are prosecuted for a Class A misdemeanor. Our Sheriff's Office has been actively involved in this ever since Columbine. And I am not making, um, I'm not bragging on our law enforcement, but I am saying that if there are threats being made on social media, our Sheriff's Office has a unique program, um, um, and it's kind of tangential to the Crimes Against Children uh, program. Um, and our school shooters are, are we're seeing are falling roughly into three categories. One is the serious threat. Um, they're posting on social media with specificity. They're not vague. They have time, place, and weapon. They have a plan in place. Um, in my, I am not a provider. I am not a mental health expert. But in my experience of 15 years on the bench um, and before that doing juvenile associate judge work, I believe they are budding personality disorder problems. Um, these are your Adam Lanza's, your Nicholas Cruz category. Okay. Um, the second two categories fall under the general topic of bullying victims. Number one is your typical bullying victim who are now just saying something to try to scare someone or potentially they're being gaslighted, and that's kind of a new area for people. Where when you say they're being gaslighted, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Can you explain that? Because i got to tell you, I'm not sure exactly what all that right. means. So we see that a little bit in family law cases right. where someone says that you said something and you are kind of a, manipulative, a, man, a manipulatable or vulnerable person. You might actually believe what they're saying you said. Okay. Um, this happened on a school bus recently where um, a kid next to another uh, a victim, our, our juvenile respondent ultimately, um, was told that he said something about shooting up a school. By the time they got to the UIL site, it was all over the bus and people were taunting him. You said you were going to shoot up school. So then the threat becomes a real prosecution and the kid's in our detention center. Now, we're taking everyone seriously. But what we found out is that that kid was being gaslighted in the bullying, um, you know, his pervasive bullying included being told that he threatened to shoot up the school. So then the other bullying victim, though, is a little bit dangerous. They are ones that are pervasively bullied over time, and now they are controlled by their rage. So you put that guy in connection with the serious threat guy, and you've got a Columbine. Okay. Those that duo. So let let me ask something if I if I can real quick. Um, so let's say that you you get someone that is kind of like this this two B version that we were talking about. Somebody that's been bullied over time, so they've just developed a rage and a hatred for everybody in that school that has not suffered the same disassociation really that they have. What what steps can be taken to? I guess you you can kind of see what you can kind of see who they are and what they are when they when they come into the court system. What programs or are there any programs that are in place to take someone like that to try to say, okay, what can we do to try to get this kid back on the right track and to 
well, to get them back on the right track, to make them see all of a sudden there's a fork in the road and let's go down the right path instead of the wrong path. Exactly. That is where we come in to see something, say something. And that's where law enforcement can sort that out. I believe that law enforcement of Collin County has incredible compassion and rational heads on their shoulders. They will tell me, I need you to um, release this child to his parents because he has special needs or whatever it is but they have to prosecute in case there's something serious. So um, what I'm telling you is that I trust our law enforcement of this sure. county. And if you will just let law enforcement know and let us sort it out, I realize that um, that's not always a perfect system. Sure. But we're seeing, I believe that's what we're seeing with these 28 reports. Well, and I think, Jessica, this kind of goes to something, and this is, uh, I'm talking to uh, to. Deputy Sheriff Pond, uh, is it all right if I call you Jessica? Yes. Thank yes. you. Um, I think this kind of goes into something that we were talking about just before. I mean, I, my daughter is, is 20 now, and so she grew up having social media, but just kind of, you know, it was just getting started. It's not like these kids that are now born into it. And one of the things you were talking about is these kids having multiple social media um, kind of characters, for lack of a better way of putting it. They've got one that's meant for mom and dad to see, yes. and then they've got one that's for everybody else to see. And I know my daughter mentioned something about that to me, you know, a friend of theirs that had, uh, uh, they've got their other Instagram account mm -hmm. that they post of, you know, all the, all the crazy stuff that we do when we're in college. And I was, I was really kind of taken aback, and it was, I was a little embarrassed to realize how naive I am in that. But as a parent, what can a parent look for? What should we, how do we even go about finding out about these kind of things? Take their phone is one of the easiest things. Um, most parents, most kids that have social media, letting them start social media way too early in age is a big contributing factor. They get news, they get fake news, they get false information, um, YouTube and learning things, and we sometimes get stuck in how we deal with certain things and so to them they get to see it from a social media standpoint well this person is like me and they did this but there's not an alternate means to it um, they create the fake alias of course to hide things from parents sure um, and they do it in a sense that if we're not paying attention to our kids and we're not listening when they're having the conversations and I'm not meaning eavesdropping and not giving your kid privacy I'm just right. saying oh there was an issue with so-and-so today what happened and actually wanting to have that knowledge and speaking and just going back and forth with their kid about how their day went and you know did you hear about so-and-so no well tell me about it and that's how we get to figure out that the person that is bullied, that is isolated, if I can see that my child is maybe talking bad about that person or saying that he doesn't fit in, he's just not cool, he's whatever else, then we can take keys and we need to say something. Maybe a kid's not going to say something at that point, but if the parents start to listen, realize that saying something helps, those kids are going to follow in, our, in parents' footsteps. And That's huge. That is huge. And that's, you know... I, I feel really blessed in that my ex-wife and I both were very much uh, on the same page with that and always, 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 always sat and talked with the kiddo. 
you know, hey, what's going on? Well, this happened. Or, really, are you okay? Is he okay? Are they? Do they have somebody to talk to? Do they have somebody that they can turn to in these types of situations? And, and then I look at as a family lawyer who's been doing this for way too many years, <laughs> I look at uh, how often you see parents that are so caught up with, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses or surpass the Joneses, which you're not going to really surpass one of the Joneses, at least here in <laughs> Dallas area. But I want uh, them to keep up with technology because right. you can figure out a lot when right. there's stuff coming off and different apps coming in and how you log in as one and how you can switch user preferences and different things like that and allowing parents to realize, oh, you tried to hide it, but I got it and I know how to do it. That and is great. Trailing on to that, I right. do advocate stalking your kids. Yeah. And they will accept friend requests from, you know, obviously you're going to have to do a little bit of dishonest, having a, a name that is like on Instagram that maybe doesn't reflect who you are, not like at mom. Sure. <laughs> you know? At stalking mom. At well, stalking but there's, there's also a bunch of different software out there that like in the, you know, in the family law arena that we talk about that, hey, you can't use to, you know, figure out, look at keystrokes and all kinds of different I'll call it spyware, but it's not actual spyware, to see what everybody is doing. So it sounds like that actually would be a pretty good idea as a parent to use. Let me ask one additional thing, because I'm realizing just how little I know about this. Are there programs uh, at, you know, even grade school, middle school, high school level that are put on for parents of, hey, look, this is real. This is a real problem. It might not be with little Johnny or little Betty or little Angel that's so perfect, but hey, this is something you need to be aware of, and here are things that steps that you can take to avoid these types of situations. That are any of those? Is there anything um, that is put on at that level? Parents to to be their own detective, I guess. Well, or just yeah, just even something to. I, I my my daughter graduated from uh, Plano Senior. Okay, and I remember, you know, there was always the stuff at the beginning of the year, and there are always different things of going and meet the teacher, and you find out how the kids are going. And I found out, you know, uh, you know, my kid can be a little lippy. I don't know where in the world she got that. Huge, <laughs> huge surprise. Um, but it would seem to me that that would be a perfect situation where uh, the school could make an effort with law enforcement's help or. Uh, with the judicial system's help of... We do have some, some, and take it that we know that we are in a social media and we Mm -hmm. are our phones, what, like 70, 84%, I believe, that most of your internet usage and stuff is done through apps and and everything that's on your phone. Um, But there's a couple of different cities within Collin County and their school districts with the SROs that have an app or a social media type feed that is just for the school and you can actually put in anonymous tips, letting people know. Wow. And I mean, so the media or the technology's got there for it. It's just having kids take it seriously and not to gaslight or not to make something that is of nothing, um, but to actually give the information. And even if they heard, they heard this, I mean, just fill us in the SRO that's there that knows those kids that works daily with them. They're going to be that true test of, I mean, that's the point in an SRO. It's somebody to talk to, somebody to come in and. When you say SRO, and I'm sorry to interrupt. School resource officer. Okay. Just wanted to put that out there so everybody understands. I think we have a tendency to talk in acronyms because we use them all the time. So 
that's a fantastic, just great information because I, I believe that one of the, one of the issues that we have out there is, you can have the greatest resources in the world, but if you don't know about it, mm-hmm. and when I say you, obviously I mean the collective you, right. you know, then it doesn't do anything. Right. So. I have a bullying talk on cyberbullying and mm-hmm. sexting and all of that that I give to middle schools and high schools and all of that. But the school district really has to invite us in. And mm-hmm. so we in law enforcement are here and ready and able and willing. Um, but we do need to be invited. And I've spoken a lot at Lovejoy. I've spoken a lot at Plano, um, Frisco, um, but not so much in McKinney. So those are the kinds of areas that are required now under the new bullying law. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're required to bring in programs of this sort. They're required to have an anonymous reporting program. I think the thing is is that people think, oh, they're just joking or whatever it is. I think sometimes parents, parents think, think that as well. They yeah. minimize. Yeah, you don't want to believe it. You don't want to believe it. Right. And, I, and I get that. However, we're in a new world now right. where kids who are filled with rage are doing, you know, terrible, tragic things with their rage. One of the things that we're seeing, too, in some of our more serious cases are that they have actually, even as low as fourth grade, made threats against teachers, threats against principals. Um, there are kids wow. that, that have low frustration tolerance levels, and, and they're, they're probably doing some assaulting in the home, siblings and parents, but they're not being reported. We can help. That's what we do. In the juvenile justice system, we are about behavior modification. Don't be afraid to turn your kid in. It's, it's over your head. If you've already tried counseling, and, and I will recommend certain specific counseling programs. So with your budding personality problem, and we don't have any personality disorder. We don't have any real mental health diagnosis before 18. So that's what we're dealing with, too, in law right. enforcement. We don't have those tests that say, you know, this person has a personality disorder. But they say that dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT, is the only therapy that really truly works with that group. And then for adolescents, we know about cognitive behavioral therapy. If neither of those work and you're having offenses committed in your home or at school, I'm also advocating that teachers turn in their own victimization to law enforcement. I think so often they're talked out of it by their administrators. I think law enforcement is able to sort that through and determine do we have a real threat or do we have a kid who's just crying out for some help and we can do both of those. What about the devices? When we talk about these threats, this is the tool, this right. phone I'm holding in my hand, right. and it's easy as a parent to say, well, if they're bullying you through your phone and through your social media, we're going to take the phone, put it up, you're not going to have access to it. Now you've got a kid who's got withdrawal symptoms from the phone, and if they're not responding and if they go silent, are they concerned that what does that silence mean? Right. Or do, they, you know, or do, do we see kids who are, uh, when we talk about the mental health aspects of it, where it's just let's get away from devices and social media accounts? I mean, are they even allowed to have social media accounts on all the platforms as kids? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're getting no policing from Facebook or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can look at all the stuff that's going on with Facebook right now, and uh, you can see people, <laughs> yeah, like five that'll have a Facebook or an Instagram. There's a dog that has an Instagram. My page. cat has one. Okay. Well, yeah. she no a Facebook I mean, page, but <laughs> so it it can be creative at any point. Um, 
whether or not it's just it's okay to put out a post saying kids taking a sabbatical from social media won't be back on for this many weeks. It's like their popularity, though, is the number of people they have on their page. And the things that made you cool or not wasn't the lunch table you sit at anymore, the sports you played, or whether your parents had the nice car you were getting dropped off in. But a parent, law enforcement, judge, court, and the other people that can be a victim of any of this, um, I don't care if they're not cool. Their safety is our biggest concern, um, sure. the safety of them, the safety of school, and the safety of others that are there. The cold meter, it it has no play with any Isn't of that one of the biggest messages to his parents to drill home to kids, that this too shall pass? I, I think it's the done. hardest one to convince them of. It, it is the worst thing they've ever felt. So literally the worst feeling they've ever had in their life, and they believe it's going to last forever because of the way they act adolescent brain develops. Mm -hmm. So we do have parents, though, who also think it's terrible to remove their social media. I think that is a greater problem, perhaps. You have an awful lot of parents these days that don't parent. Okay, you've got, you know, I think you have a lot of them that they have, they look at it from the standpoint of they've got limited time with, with these kids. And what they want is to have, you know, just the picture-perfect Norman Rockwellian type of relationship with, you know, uh, with Junior right. there instead of being a parent and say, no, 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 we don't do that. Right. You know, no, we aren't going to do that. That's inappropriate, this kind of thing, because they don't want the discord or conflict, right. uh, you know, in the limited time that they have. So you see, I think anyway, you see a combination of that, and then you have parents that are also trying to buy the affection of, of their kids, you know, and I have... Well, Judge, you've seen it more, more than I have. <laughs> you, know, you, you see what the results of that are. So right. let's, let's kind of shift gears for just a second. I, you talked a little bit about the bullying uh, talk that you've given to, to a number of different school districts. What I'd like to know, what else, uh, what else is really in play? What programs are in place to address these alienated students? The problem from my perspective is that these students that are alienated are the ones that are coming to my attention. Right. These victims are coming to our attention in law enforcement. And so we provide a lot of behavior modification. We provide regular cognitive behavioral therapy and all of that. What I don't think is happening are the bullies are not getting treated. And their parents are the very ones that are going to be the ones that are hard to speak to by the teachers. Teachers, my sister is a teacher. One of her colleagues was told by a father that I have more degrees than you have. So she, you know, <laughs> was just basically put down and dismissed. And I think that what we have is a very um, entitled parenting going on. Right. And so I don't even think they recognize the level that they're passing off to their children of disrespect. Well, especially if Johnny is the one who's the popular kid, he's the starter on the football team, sure. and he's the one upstairs quietly sitting and doing his homework in his bedroom, but what you don't know is he's on his device and he's participating in ganging up on some other kid right. when a parent's like, you know, my kid is a star. We all have the sign out in front of our, you know, my kid plays football for the school and yeah. we're the best people on the block and my kids never been in trouble but he's the one that's bullying right so what exactly right. 
so what do we do about uh, what do we do about that? From, I mean, I guess from a law enforcement spec, uh, perspective, it's it's one thing, but how do we engage the kids? Get to know what they are doing. Get to know. I mean, you'll be able to see it just as well as you said you're married, right? If yes. your wife comes in and you know that she's had a hard day at work, you're going to say, I oh, probably shouldn't ask her about that. I'm going to wait till tomorrow, right? <laughs> um, it's the same for them. If they're at school and they start noticing, I mean, the SROs that are in there and the staff, the ISDs that work with the staff, even the staff, I mean, they are trained to recognize difference in the behavior, um, parents, um, just clues all of those clues and we don't just say oh well yeah he doesn't look like he's having a great day and then walk on we go and do something about it we talk to him we pull him aside we figure out what's going to do and we try to help come up with a solution and then after that it's it's stuck there it's noted it's told to the counselors it's i mean there's a process that it'll go to and if there isn't a resolve and we can't get somewhere with it and then it ends up in judges court later on um when it has to get to that point if you can't get parents to get on board. The ISD school resource office, the PDs, agencies, the sheriff's office, um, all of us working in connection, um, plans for all of this and making sure that the communication is a good line. I mean, they are in place and it's there. We just have to utilize them and we have to stay on our toes to, to see it and then we actually have to do something with the information. So then what, in any perfect world, okay, what could we do as, as parents? Uh, okay. To the school resource officer. To, I mean, they have access to that resource officer just as well as those students do. What else could be done at the school level to reinforce this? Because I think what, what happens, and that's what I'd like to, I'd like to get into a little bit, because I think what, you know, we're such a, a society of, you know, uh, we want of immediacy, you know. I, I could sit here right now and I could, while, while we're doing this podcast, I could get on my phone and I could order to have, you know, a couple cases of Dasani water delivered to my house because I don't want to go to the grocery store after I get done with this because I need, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I'm, I think we, we take this information in and then unless it's something that we're going to utilize right now, I think it's very easy to have it just kind of dissipate. And so what can we do at the school level to make sure that this isn't just the, you know, the thing that you see in the school handbook and you look at once a year and you have to have signed that, yes, I read little Johnny's school handbook that he has to, you know, behave this way. What could we do even kind of in a grassroots type of movement to get the, uh, the school districts to implement some, addi- some additional programs or just, the, the reaffirmation of what's actually there and can be utilized so that we aren't running into these, you know, it, it's more the exception rather than the rule of, boy, didn't see this coming, you know, that kind of thing where all these kids have seen that, oh, yeah, this kid's been troubled since, you know, kindergarten, you know. He's the one that nobody wanted to play with, you know. He didn't, no one's playing tether ball with him right. because he was out there chasing down squirrels and trying to do stuff to him. Right. You know. So, That's absolutely right. So what do we do? What, what can we do, I mean, as, as a community? I think teachers need to be given more respect from not only just their principals, but also the parents. Um, mostly in our, I agree with that. Right, in our county, a 
of affluent parents and this immediacy, 24-hour news cycle, right. um, what we want to be able to do is say, not just speak to the parents who are the parents of the bullying victim, because that tends to be what happens. Right. They're more afraid, I think, by virtue of the personality types of the parents of the bullies. Right. So be a parent who can be asked hard questions that make you feel defensive about your kid. Be the parent who says, okay, if I'm examining this and I don't want to have the next school shooter created because of my kid's bullying, be the parent who takes the bull by the horns and gets their kid into treatment. And it's almost all private care in our county because, again, we're affluent. Even our kids in the juvenile detention center have, you know, private psychiatrists and their appointments, they furlough to their appointments. That's just unheard of in other, you know, more Title I, less affluent counties. So we have a lot at our disposal. We just have to really engage it. A lot of times in a divorce situation, which, you know, we've got 52, 53% divorce rate in our county. Right. We just need to be kind to the people who are trying to co-parent. Maybe they don't get along. Let's all be willing to be forgiving of the bully, the bully's parents as much as we are the victim's parents. Because you've got both sides. And if we want to have an environment where we get the bullies to stop bullying, we're going to have to stop being so unforgiving of the parents of the bullies. It's a big morals and values message. Yes. It really is. And that's a... That's a you know, that's a, a difficult thing. I mean, you get into so many different issues along those lines. I mean, you know, I've sat there and had conversations about it, it amazes me, the things that people will say on social media where, where A, they don't have, you know, they don't know the person that they're actually saying something about. Right. They don't have any idea about the circumstances no. uh, associated with it. And God forbid it's actually on a specific news issue or something. The amount of uneducated statements that are made you know, and people will just, you know, I, I advise my clients, as you know, all the time, don't press send. You know, do not. It's do his not favorite thing. There should be <laughs> Mark Scroggins bumper stickers on all the cars that say do don't press, press send. send. Yeah. So, but it's amazing the kind of stuff that people will, will post out there. And I don't know how you, how we kind of draw that back in as a society. I wish right. that people would. Right. I think we have to watch ourselves, and it is a morals and values. We can't just say we check a box, we take our kids to church, boom, check, we're done. It doesn't end we there. Say the it doesn't end in the parking lot. Sons, we are kind to other human beings. Right. Mm -hmm. And if, if we hear about a wheelist child being unkind to others, we're going to be just as upset about that as if you failed something. You know, you fail a class. Let me let me ask one thing where we're just talking about the, the student who is the bully, because I'm going to guess that this is a reason that parents of the bully get concerned. Everybody is so, everybody is so concerned about wanting to make sure that their, their child has, uh, the, has opportunities, okay? Whether that is, uh, you know, in, in a trade craft or whether that's going to college and, and subsequent, uh, subsequent education or not. So I think, I think parents get terrified about the idea of having something on his or her record, you know, and being concerned that uh, Texas Tech or, uh, you know, UT or SMU, whatever, is not going to let little Johnny in because he's got something on his record. So from that standpoint, 
and you know we see kids that are juveniles that get charged as adults all the time so i think when we start talking about you know don't be afraid to talk to the police about stuff that's going on with your your kid can you can you talk a little bit about what happens with a kid that gets in the system so to speak from a juvenile and what what kind of rehab efforts are there and then actually what happens to their juvenile record so if there's a way i'm i'm kind of going at if there's a way to put these folks minds at ease i think that would go a long way towards being helpful i think they can and, and law enforcement will probably add to this after i speak because it's from their perspective too we do not believe that children are many adults we we have the juvenile system based on the adolescent brain development. The logic there is that they are not making a moral, well-planned out, then executed plan, that they're just impulsively stealing that iPad because it's there, um, that sort of behavior. So what we have in juvenile system is a, kind of a complicated system of sealing records. One level is restricted access, so only law enforcement gets to see your record. And then the next level is sealing, where even we can't see the records after they're sealed. So, um, but on some offenses, so like a felony offense, and you can see why logically this is true, because it might be a safety issue to the community. Of course. They have to wait until they're 18 and stay out of trouble, uh, or 19 on a, determ on a, uh, a more serious offense. So there are a complicated layer, there are layers of complicated statutes for, for sealing records, but it's really based on risk to the community and safety to the community, and I don't know how law enforcement might view that. When we take a kid into custody, and we're very fortunate to have a court like this, that it's not just a big hammer, so right. and we do our best on our end to determine if this child is a threat, is it a mistake or is it intentional? Is this going to be a danger down the road or is it just something he made a mistake, it was an impulsive act? Right. And we relate that to the judge and she takes that into consideration. So that's the benefit not only to the parent but the kid down the road. Right. And so that can play to the sealing of the records and it all goes down to intent. And uh, is there going to be any problems in the future? I've even had this sheriff's office recommend deferred prosecution, which is a a level of probation that at the end of it they haven't been fully adjudicated so I mean that's we fantastic have, I think out of all the counties in Texas 254 were the best sheriff's office oh, well, I would agree. We're very very lucky I think too because times have changed um, before if you caught a kid and I'm not talking an active shooter or a shooter scenario with guns but um, if you were out in to a point that you caught a juvenile doing something they shouldn't be doing, um, it was that point of, no, go ahead and get on the phone and call your mom and dad. Because no matter what, I could take you to juvie, but I know mom and dad are <laughs> going to have something planned for you that's going to be worse than, you know, right. probably not worse. But that was the last resort. And um and they would think I mean because when I was a kid if somebody said they were gonna call my mom no oh nope my God. Take, <laughs> take me on in now let's just go you know um, but and nowadays if you were out there and you were to to say that or you were to say underage drinking or something like that and you made them pour out bill or their beer and you made them call their parents to come pick them up you have this part now where the parent is so upset that you poured out their kid's beer yes. 
and or want to be mad, but then you're saving those things. So it's it's a hard line that you have to work, walk in with law enforcement and and give that discretion if you see it. But being able to Agreed. give the discretion with the judge in a more formal means, I mean, that still helps, but it's changed. Well, let me ask this. So where where I am with where I live right now, if if I had a child that was going to uh, that was still in school. Uh, we would feed into Plano West, okay? So if I'm a, if I'm a parent that's got a kid that's going to feed into Plano West, and these things are con- all concerning to me, and I want to make sure that all of my fellow parents of students know that, hey, these are the resources that are out there, and these are really important things that we all need to look at and we don't we don't need to create you know an orwellian uh, 1984 community of you know or or you know soviet union common communism of spying on your your neighbor but how do we what can we go to say the faculty at, at plano west and say say hey i think this would be really good when can we put you know put something like this into place when can this be mentioned when can we bring someone in to talk what would you suggest since y'all are the ones that are really on the on the ground floor on all of this, what suggestions could we make to the to the school districts to say, hey, doing a lot right now in Collin County. I mean, they already have most of what you're talking about in place. You go on their website, and there's parent portals for this. There's right. a Remind Me app here. There's a I'm sending out mass. You know, this is changed for the day. I'm going to send everybody that has you know a phone number registered for this child. Um, a quick text about whatever's going down. There's, I mean, there's tons of things that are already there, and there's already ways of you need to contact the school resource office, then here's the number. Guidance counselor is the number. You go on to that page, and then it pulls down any of the other information that you need with contacts and how to get a hold of them. We just need the parents to listen, to pay attention to the kids, That's and it. actually yeah. do something with the information. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it all boils down to being proactive right. through communication and through relationships right. at, mm-hmm. at every level. Right. Sure. From the parent level, from the SRO level, to the teachers, the counselors, everybody. Right. Listening to these kids and what they have to say and not being afraid to act on it, no matter what, good or bad. And if they do good, you praise them. If there's something that sends up any red flags, you report it, and, and we're going we're gonna to act on it. Right. We take no threats as small threats. We just blow it off. All of it. We are serious on all of them. And then we, we make sure we do our investigation. We right. make our recommendations to the court. Right. We know that everybody's not perfect. Right. I mean, we, we live in a world of everybody's not perfect. I have a seven-year-old, and sometimes playground stories get to be a little bit too much. <laughs> um, but I listen um, every day before she goes off, I don't say be a good girl or do any of these because I think we learn from our mistakes, and I think that is how we become better. And I just tell her to think about it and make good choices. That's what I want her to do because everything in life is a choice. You just have to know which one, you know, the better outcome, better consequences. If I do this, what's going to happen if I don't? So, this is a good segue, too. Of, I mean, we talk about good choices. We talked about choices from school law enforcement, kids, parents, everyone can make all the best choices. But we can't control the people who don't make the good choices. And when the people who don't make the good choices bring a problem, 
we need to be ready to respond. Um, we've had a lot in the news lately about responses by law enforcement to threats and a lot of the discussion of one of the things that been talk about is uh, teachers in Texas ISDs having having firearms, and I, you know it's something that I think a lot of people who have moved to Collin County might not be aware of how Texas ISDs operate, is what independent school districts are, um, and how many do have uh, do have uh, teachers who are armed, and you know we have signs out in front. We were talking a little bit before we started today about some of those things. What should parents and people listening know? So one of the things I want to say before we move on to that topic is I think there are some holes. There are some giant holes in right. what what school districts should do. One of the holes is that they've typically not been able to do anything with reports of bullying. That is, now that they have the responsibility, before they didn't want on a report of some random bullying, you know, every night they'd be getting in, you know, they said this about me on Facebook, or someone's you know, a bystander can do a lot more reporting. So I think the kids need to be reporting bullying to the schools, whether it's bullying of teachers or other students. I think the teachers need to be turning in students for bullying that they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Because Absolutely. I think all of us are shutting up and we're letting the bullies rule the school, period. Moving on to your issue, Melissa ISD has its own, um, I think in Texas we have the luxury of, of not, uh, of having teachers who are quite comfortable, who have grown up with guns and have gun training, et cetera. Um, and with respect to our independent school districts, they are indeed that, independent. They get to make their own rules and they have their own uh, Prosper ISD has its own police department. Uh, Salina ISD has its own police department. I think Farmersville has its own community, has its own PD. I think that's maybe a different topic, but it flows of the same nature of the independent school districts. So, um, you know, you have teachers of all varieties, teachers that are comfortable, teachers that are not comfortable. I think it probably... Um, will just have to be handled in, in each school district's uh, comfort zone. But I also think that um, the, the way this issue shapes up is more based on getting the people who are enraged properly reported for crimes, threats, terroristic threats, um, education code threats to exhibit a firearm, threats to blow up a school, I think that going into a background check is far more important maybe than even mental health, addressing mental health. Because what we need to do is we need to have law enforcement know about these enraged individuals. By hook or by crook, that's where I think it's all going to be, we're all going to be victims until we get all these threats taken seriously by fellow schoolmates, teachers, principals. And if you have a process to, you know, we were talking before about your son or daughter worrying about their permanent record and all this. Yeah. Um, you know, when we have, it's just, it sounds to me like a similar thing to putting someone on a list of concern. As long as there's a, a procedure and a process mm -hmm. in place to handle that, that shouldn't ultimately be the concern. Agreed. Seems to me. Agreed. Well, this is a, you know, 
God, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about this for hours, and then it goes into so many different areas. I want to thank each of y'all for uh, taking the time out of your very busy schedules uh, to spend a little time with me today and with Nick and talking about this. This is an area that, uh, you know, I know it scares me, so I'm thinking if it scares me, it scares a lot of people. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we live in such a great country and we are so blessed with so many wonderful opportunities that it just, it absolutely breaks my heart to see these kind of, you know, issues pop up and these, these horrible offenses and uh, the just mindless hurt of other individuals. So, you know, by God, if there's a way for us to, to make it stop, however that is, you know, I don't have the answer. Uh, but, boy, I sure would like to find it. And if I could be, you know, if we can get. I think that's a subject that we're all very in tune to trying to make it work and, and having stuff in place. And I know it's a top priority for the sheriff, especially with what have, uh, has been going on. Um, so much so that, I mean, I even have, I printed out our um we got a memo from the sheriff after the Parkland shooting about our response and and what we do and, and how we do things. And so much that it affected him of, you've trained for this, he's provided this, these are his expectations of us to engage, to stop the threat, to make it to where, you know, the other students, we're not, we're not waiting, we're, we're going. And, I mean, he puts in here that you you're expected to do your duty and to uphold the oath that you're here to protect the citizens of Collin County. See, and that is a, and I would be more than happy to put that up, uh, you know, on our website, if you would, if you would like, or put it in a social media post, because I think it's unfortunate that law enforcement has been vilified by the few and it has permeated the thoughts of many. So, I think seeing the, the general populace seeing something like that and they realize that, hey, law enforcement are the good guys uh, yeah. and they're here to help us. It's just like, you know, the folks down, got this close to my heart, down in Austin, you know, that found that guy and, you know, were trying to get into the car when he blew himself up. Yeah. I mean, they were going to sacrifice their own lives yeah. to try to protect the folks of Travis County and Austin, Texas. And, you know, my daughter's down there. Good Lord. I mean, that's close to home. People don't see enough of that. And it just, you know, this is another one of those things that break my heart. I guess I'm getting a little old and sentimental on stuff. But, God, I wish that people would understand that and that, you know, the folks in blue are here to, to help and to be a part of the solution, not to, you know, have people point the finger and, and vilify. And I think that y'all have been done such an injustice, especially with everything that you that y'all bring to the table and I'm I'm very appreciative of that. We're gonna be there to help somebody whether they like us or not. We'll be there when they call. Yeah, and who else does that? <laughs> you know, so who else does that? I can tell you it's not me. You hit me with a stick once and I'm like you're on your own. Yes, <laughs> have that same ability but not law enforcement. That's right. That's right. That's right. We can hold them in contempt and then they have to lock them up. <laughs> yeah. Well well, I'll tell you what, guys. I know that we have gotten to the end uh, to the end of our time. Did any of y'all have any one parting comment that you'd like to get across for people to think about? Oh, I appreciate you bringing us out in the open, letting us talk to you. Appreciate it, Mark. You're 
certainly welcome, and I hope that we can do a follow-up on this sometime. Agreed. Parents, examine your kids honestly, whether it hurts the good, the bad, the ugly. Take the criticism. Yeah. Make good choices. There you go. And that is, you know, what I would say over and over again. I mean, I feel blessed today that I've got a you know, relationship with my daughter where she tells me, you know, everything that's going on. And sometimes I'm just kind of like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I'm really glad. And it's amazing how many people don't do that. So, folks out there, talk to your kids. And remember, that is the most important thing. Nick, thank Absolutely. you for taking care of everything. Of this course. Today. Again, this has been Nick Augustine in a special episode with Mark Scroggins of Scroggins Legal with the office in Plano. Also offices in Dallas. Phone number 469 626 5220. We want to extend a big thank you to Collin County Judge of the 417th, Judge Cynthia Wheelis, also Sergeant, or I'm sorry, Lieutenant Mark Selman, and Deputy Jessica Pond from the Office of the Collin County Sheriff. Um, again, for questions about Texas divorce or family law, be in touch with Scroggins Legal, 469 626 5220. That's all we have for today. We thank you all for sharing these. A podcast as you may find them on your social media feeds because you just never know whose friend, neighbor, or that person you don't even know that well on Facebook is experiencing all these questions that we talk about and needs to find and share this information. So it takes a village and to all the villagers, have a good day. Nice. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.